0: So we'll continue this afternoon with the loving kindness meditation and I just wanted to say a few words about how the practice unfolds. It's really, um, this practice is really an invitation to metta, you know, as we sit here and we kind of recite these phrases, with each one we're really inviting the heart to open, inviting metta to arise and to fill the heart. But the fact is that it's not always metta that answers our invitation. Uh, That's not always what what comes in response to our call. So sometimes uh, what we call an enemy might arise, an enemy state, which is a little bit of a harsh terminology. That's the the traditional term. But it really means just some state of heart and mind that's in opposition to metta. It's uh, mutually exclusive with metta. So some state that when it's present blocks metta. And it works the other way around, too, that when metta is present, these states cannot uh, take hold of the heart. <clears throat> so this might be what we call a far enemy, which is a state of mind that is clearly very far away from loving kindness, very far away from goodwill. So in this case, in the case of metta, that's any kind of aversion. So you know, it's very strange how we can be sitting here reciting these phrases of goodwill, of loving kindness, good wishes for ourselves or somebody else, and just a huge wave of uh, anger fills us, or fear, Uh, something really powerfully aversive. Or it could be something more subtle, too. It could just be a subtle state of uh, maybe indifference, apathy, maybe just a numbness of the heart not responding. So any kind of aversion is, is the far enemy of metta. Something else that might respond to our invitation is what we call the near enemy, and in the case of meta, this is any kind of, of attachment or craving, and this can be a little bit trickier because these are states of mind that can uh, appear to be close to love, might even be states of mind that we're used to identifying as love, kind of in the course of our ordinary lives, um, and again, that could be anything on the spectrum of craving and attachment ranging from you know, maybe we're sending Meta to somebody that we're in a romantic relationship with, and the desire might arise, you know f- to get really romantic with that person. That would be kind of on the far end of the spectrum. But it could also be something really subtle, you know, like just remembering the smiling face of a dear friend or family member um, and feeling the the delight and the gratification that that gives us. So anytime there's a sense of, uh, getting gratification, anytime there's this, there's this sense of it's about me and what am I getting out of this relationship, then that's a clue that we're on the somewhere in the near enemy, that we're on the attachment uh, side of the, the spectrum. Metta itself is a very generous emotion, so it, it has a sense of expansiveness, of, of going out from us, of spreading out. We sometimes talk about uh, metta dana being the term for generosity, that those two uh, states of mind are very closely linked and often come together because metta has a sense of of spreading outwards from ourselves, of turning outwards to the other, and what can we offer, what can we do, rather than of seeking gratification, what can we get, is more the flavor of attachment. So if any of these uh, enemies arise in the course of the meditation, that's completely fine, it's very natural. Um, you know, as I said, we make the invitation, but then we can't control who answers. So our job then is just simply to notice what has arisen. So we bring to mind the, the image, the felt sense of the being that we're directing the meta phrases to. We offer each phrase with as much sincerity as we can, being clear about the meaning, being clear about the intention. And then we just notice what comes. Could be meta, could be one of these other states. All of it is, is okay. The only exception to that is that if we start to feel too overwhelmed, you know, if one of these other states of minds becomes so overpowering that we just can't really keep the, the thread of connection with the metaphrases, we can't kind of remember what we're doing or what's going on, then it's always okay to drop back, to drop back to another individual that it's easier for us to get a sense of connection with, or just to come back to the body and return to our awareness practice for a little while until we feel a little bit more settled and a little bit more grounded. So with that, why don't we get settled in our meditation posture. And just take a few moments to arrive here. coming back into the body, the sense of sitting and breathing, receiving the sounds from the room around us. Just getting an overall felt sense of our presence here, the fact of our aliveness, our vitality, however we feel in this moment, whether we're struggling, whether we're going through an easier spell, here we are. Alive in this moment, each of us with our own wish for well-being, our own deep wish for happiness, and giving ourselves a moment to really own that. In whatever way we each articulate it, I want to be happy. I do wish for my own well-being. It matters to me. It's precious to me. Recognizing that this is a completely healthy, wholesome, a natural desire, the desire for personal well-being. And just as we cherish this wish in our own heart, so too does every other living being that we share this world with, each in their own way. out of that understanding, can we find it in our hearts to wish well for ourselves, for others? Can we connect with the aspiration to open this natural caring and well-wishing that's part of our humanity for all of us? So, bringing to mind that being that perhaps you practiced with yesterday, who is the easiest point of entry into a sense of caring and well-wishing? That person who is easiest for easiest for us to feel a sense of loving kindness towards. That might be ourselves, or it might be another being that is dear to us, maybe someone who's been a benefactor, who's been generous to us and kind to us, so that it's easy to return that open-heartedness. Bringing that being to mind, maybe seeing their image either now or sometime some time in the past. Perhaps remembering words that you've shared, experiences that you've shared. And bringing to mind the beautiful qualities of this being their lovable qualities, the goodness that's in them. Recognizing that they too, whatever their circumstances in life might be, cherish the same wish for well-being in their hearts, share the same longing for happiness and for contentment, for safety, and for prosperity, just as we do, just as all of us do. And offering them these meta phrases, these universal good wishes, just at your own pace, leaving a little space to see what arises in the heart, to see what responds to this invitation. May you be safe and protected. May you be peaceful and content. May you be at ease in your body, just as it is. May you be able to care for yourself and for those who depend on you with ease and with joy. Using those phrases that resonate most in your heart, that feel right for you, and just continuing on your own pace. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be able to live with ease. So if you feel like you're in a good space working with this particular individual, offering them your good wishes, then it's fine to just stay there. If you feel like you're ready to move on, then you can bring to mind now another individual. Perhaps if you've been working with a benefactor, you could move to yourself or vice versa moving on to another being that it's still relatively easy to bring to mind with a sense of good wishing with a sense of kindness and caring conjuring up their image their good qualities especially this, if this is ourselves that we're considering. It's really important and wholesome to remember our virtues, maybe some good deed that we've done, even just a little thing here around the center, bringing to mind this person's lovable qualities, and their deservingness for happiness in this life. And beginning to offer them again these same universal wishes of goodwill. May you be protected from harm. May you be peaceful and happy in your mind. May you be peaceful and happy in your body. May you be able to make your way through this world without struggles, without hardship. May you be safe. May you be peaceful. May you be healthy. May you live easily in the world. if you wish, you could move on now to another meta-subject. Maybe considering a dear friend a relative, whether human or animal, some being that we feel just a natural affinity with, a natural affection. but who we don't have too sticky of a relationship with, not too much baggage. Considering the blessings that this being brings to our life, the joy that we experience with them, the happiness that their company and their companionship gives us, Maybe their support in difficult times. And offering them these same universal wishes. <coughs> May you be safe and protected from harm. May you be free from mental distress and worry. May you be free from physical distress and difficulties. May you be able to care for yourself and those who depend on you easily and happily in this life. And finally, just taking a few moments to consider our fellow yogis here around us. All these beings that we're so intimately entwined with during our time here without looking them in the face, without speaking to them. Yet here we all are together. Can we find it in our hearts to wish each other well Offer each other the gift of our kindness and caring. Considering those to our left, those to our right, those in front of us, those behind. And all of us gathered here together in this room, each of us with this deep wish in our hearts for happiness, for satisfaction, contentment in this life, can we find it in our hearts to wish that for all of our dear companions here and for ourselves as well? May we all be safe and protected from outer harm and also from inner harm. May we all be able to enjoy peace of mind, ease of heart. May we all be able to make peace with these bodies, to find a place of ease and acceptance within them. May we all be able to care for ourselves, attend to our needs, provide for those who depend on us joyfully, easily, without difficulty in this world. May we all be free from all forms of suffering. And may all beings everywhere be free from all kinds of suffering Do you have any questions about the metta practice? Yes. Can you hear me? I can. <laughs>
1: I <laughs> love
0: I will try. (laughs) Did everybody kind of hear what she said? That she's been practicing metta for a long time and feels like uh, uh, she's yet to really experience a long stretch of really pure metta because for every individual that she uh, offers the metta to there's always other enemies, other different types of mental states that that are so close, that are so intertwined with the metta, that arise so easily. So a couple things. One is that that actually sounds like really rich practice, <laughs> um, and it's perfectly fine for it to kind of go on like that. This, this practice of metta, it's said to be a practice of purification, very much like the awareness practice. So to a large extent, you know, if we do it over an extended period of time, we tend to find that it uh, very much develops as kind of a process of elimination So, the way that we come to to actually arrive at metta and come to arrive at an understanding and that direct experience of really unconditional goodwill is through experiencing and recognizing everything that is not an unconditional (laughs) feeling of goodwill. Um, So, we kind of have to cover the whole terrain because we can, you know, it's really easy to take it for granted that we know what metta is, you know, that we know what unconditional love feels like, we know what, you know, friendliness and goodwill feel like. But the fact of the matter is, just as you described, that you know, in the course of a very, our very complicated and messy lives, there's all sorts of other stuff there mixed in with it. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge uh, uh, learning process. You know, this, this metta practice is actually also a wisdom practice because we learn so much about the heart and its range and all the different things that we'll do and all the different ways um, that we have of, of uh, not being able to just relate to each other with unconditional friendliness. So we learn all that as we go along the path and all that information is tremendously useful as... You know, I hope that you've found, uh, in the course of your practice, that it's really valuable information to know that oh, there's grief about the mortality of our pets that have such short, short lifespans compared to ours usually, you know, or there's all this there's all this attachment around these wonderful people that we call our partners in lives that you know it's not really such a pure relationship. There's all sorts of stuff that we want from them, so we, all of that stuff gets revealed and exposed through this practice, and that's also really helpful. It's just part of the process. So that's one piece of the puzzle. Another piece is that just in kind of in uh, technical terms, it can be really helpful to find kind of like the right meta subject, especially as a first entry point. So, um, you know, for a lot of us, somebody that we're really removed from, you know, somebody that we maybe don't even know, you know, so like a beloved pet may not be the best entry point, even though there is that natural opening of the heart to that being. There's just too much other stuff there around it. So the way that we want to approach this practice is we want to take the path of the absolute least resistance. And this can be really hard to um, believe (laughs) that it works this way. But the person that we choose as that first entry point into metta can be somebody, you know, a lot of people will pick like the Dalai Lama, you know, or some teacher that maybe they've read their books but they've never met them, they have no personal relationship with them, or maybe somebody we hear in the news who's done a really, you know, brave or heroic uh, or good deed, doing really good work in the world. So those are people that we can kind of relate to without having all that personal baggage around, and that can often be a lot easier entry point. Because the thing about metta is that it's a mental state. So it's what we're used to thinking of as a mood. So it really, it doesn't matter who it is that we're using to kind of conjure it up. Because once it takes hold in the mind, then it just falls on whoever is there, whoever is there in our presence. You know, we see this all the time with states like irritation, you know. We have that day when we haven't gotten our cup of coffee or something's gone wrong in the office. And... Um, it doesn't just fall on the the subject of our irritation. You know, whoever kind of comes along, you know, our beloved pet or our beloved spouse, they are the beneficiary <laughs> of that irritation because it's just the mood that's there in the mind. And meta actually works exactly the same way. It's a mood in the mind. So once, we, once it starts to be there more often in the heart or once it is there in the heart at any particular time, then whoever comes along, you know, even our worst enemy is going to, uh, feel the benefit of that, because that's the mood that's there in the heart, that's the place that we're coming from. So it it's, uh, can be hard to actually accept this, but it really doesn't matter who we use to, co- to conjure up the sense of metta. We want to pick the easiest possible person, even if it seems like that person has no relevance to our lives whatsoever. So those are just a couple things around that. Is that helpful? Yeah. But it really, it sounds like you've got a rich practice. <laughs> So, you know, part of it is also just accepting that, you know, this is how our path is unfolding. One more, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and for me, clearly nobody else was sobbing during the um For me, it's, I just feel it's overwhelming, like, uh, and I feel, you know, just very, you um, heartfelt. And, uh, and I found this yesterday, that I thought, you know, it seems like there's a, there's a code of silence here, and like, I'm stuffing my own and I'm thinking, Am I supposed to feel this and observe it, or how do I, you know, like, and I'm thinking, I wish I were in my bedroom, because I could have a good sob, and then I could observe the thoughts of come and go, mm. and have all that
0: feeling come out. Um, do you want to glue cool me in or? A little bit of crying during metta is okay. We all, <laughs> we all know what, what that's about. Um, you know, it's a little bit different than the, um, you know, just the, the mindfulness sessions where we are trying to keep things very chill. So it's okay to, you know... <laughs> You're giving everybody around you a chance to feel compassion, you know. That's okay, you don't need to be self-conscious about that. But I'm wondering what is what is it that the, what was the feeling that was kind of welling up that felt like it needed expression? Um so, like I imagine like, you
1: know,
0: I mean, it's <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: and, yeah. And I imagine I'm pouring to pass. It's just so, so much of, of being a conduit of God. And in that moment, just feeling all go through. I feel, it feels, or for me, I don't know any other way, but to feel honored and blessed and just,
0: you know, it means beyond a little bow. It's, so it's very overwhelming. It's very a powerful feeling. Yeah. It, it,
1: um, it feels um, intense and, and it, it's almost like you know, if you're dealing with such a powerful sort like,
0: mm-hmm. you know make, I mean, you know, Yeah. So th- this is where the 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 wisdom aspect of the practice really comes in. So, you know, if we are having an experience where where the, you know, the offering the phrases and, you know, bringing these beings to mind is bringing up things that are really powerful, like um, so powerful that they're kind of swamping the practice itself, um, then it's fine to, to shift gears a little bit, take a little time, switch over to the mindfulness practice and just kind of explore what is that emotion. See if you can put some labels to it, get a little bit more of a sense of what it is that's, bringing, that, that, that's coming up that's part of that purification process. So we can, we can can anytime we feel like we're kind of getting overwhelmed, a lot of really powerful emotions coming up, it's fine to switch gears a little bit back to the mindfulness practice and see if we can just kind of sit with that a little bit, get a sense of what's going on there, because that can give us a lot of really important information, again, about the, the, the range of what our heart will do, the range of um, emotion, you know, what, what is that, you know, what is that sense of, uh, you know, upwelling, of overwhelming that's coming with uh, the practice. So that can be really, uh, again, really rich terrain to explore. And then, you know, if things settle down a little bit again, then we can go back to the metta practice, back to the phrases. But if things get kind of so strong, if there's such a big storm going on that we can't kind of just, that we can't stay connected with the meaning of the phrases and keep kind of moving just, te- just uh, in terms of the technique, keep moving through it with some level of balance, it's fine to switch over to a little bit of mindfulness practice for a while. Uh huh. But yet, it's very powerful, very consuming. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so just to take a little time and notice all those elements of that, there might be more, more dimensions to that that, re- that reveal themselves. You know, uh, meta. You know, pu- meta in its purest form, when it really takes hold of us, is, a, is um, it's a very light and buoyant emotion. So it's it's not something that that bogs us down. It's something that's very sustaining and uplifting. So if there's, a lot of, if there's a lot of tears, if there's a lot of kind of uh, strong passion coming along with it, then it might be a place to, to kind of check out a little bit more and see if there's other ingredients that might be in there. You know, there are a lot of these near enemies that can kind of sneak in and we're not so conscious of them, we're not so aware of them, we're not so familiar with them. So it can be really helpful to take a little time to, to just check out the train and see what's going on, get curious about it not to um, kind of rest in our assumptions that we know what's going on with the heart. Because the fact of the matter is that uh, for most of us, the heart has a lot of unfamiliar terrain that we're still exploring. And he, you know, here, here we have this great opportunity to take the time and to do that. So that's part of the gift of being here. Okay. A little more walking. Yeah. Um, I think we have to, to stop. I run over a little bit. So you can save your questions for tomorrow. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Carry on. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.